He's got a pulse. Welcome to Buy a Dog, a political podcast about the Ontario PC leadership race. I'm Arlene Bynan. I'm Jamie Ellerton. Well, Arlene, Global News was the lucky outlet that got the exclusive. Patrick Brown, as you just alluded to, indeed has a pulse and has <laughs> uh, come back out swinging. You've, uh, you've heard a lot of these things over the years as an industry veteran. What do you make of his uh, first public appearance in the better part of three weeks? You know, I find it fascinating on so many ways here. There's the political future of Patrick Brown, which, as we said, he's got a pulse, Jamie. He's not dead yet, as Monty Python would say. He came back. On the other hand, this Me Too movement is in here fighting as well. Journalism is on trial And we talk a lot about due process. I know he was calling and saying, you know, these women should call the police. On the other hand, we're going to take a hard look on how this was covered and what kind of due diligence was put forward by those who break stories. So this isn't just about Patrick Brown anymore, Jamie. This is about a whole bunch of stuff. And it all changed after that interview. Don't you agree? This is a man who said... I'm fighting back, not just for politics. He's got a bigger fight in his hand here. I think he's definitely got a bigger fight on his hand here. I think his future in in politics is definitely in question going forward. Uh, There's always going to be is the benchmark of it wasn't criminal uh, enough of a benchmark to clear to truly clear your name and restore your reputation on this. Uh, There are still a lot of unanswered questions, both from CTV's original story three weeks ago when this all broke to the updated story they did last night and uh, the version of events that Patrick put forth on on Global this evening. All right. He did a good job. He raised questions. I know it's being covered on Twitter and everybody's saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, lives can be ruined. It's all true. Here's the thing. I want to begin with what stuck out for me. In the interview, when he is talking about why he was silent, he tells the emotional story of going to the hospital, those coming around him. It seemed like that was the narrative that gave him his strength back. Then he started to look at the allegations, he said, and realized that he could prove them false. I stopped there a minute and wondered why He needed to look at the allegations. If I was giving him advice, I would ask him why it was seeing the details of it that made him say that he could talk. Why was he so silent when it first happened? There was a feeling he was dejected, that he was giving in. There were reports that became public, that there was talk about this within the party, but it was the details, he said, that made him fight back. That's what I remember, first of all. Yeah, and I think let's also go back to that initial evening this all broke. He was not a part of that CTV story. He refused to be a part of it, even to deny the allegations then, and had the rush to news conference where he took no questions. And then, of course, everyone remembers the images of him running away from the media, taking no questions. Uh, so, there, it, again, I think at the end of the day on this, what have we learned Uh, We've learned Patrick Brown is continuing to deny the allegations. Uh, As you mentioned, he, after seeing the evidence of who those women were and the details of one of the specific nights, uh, said he could prove they were false and then came back out swinging. I think that's definitely a curious uh, analysis there, Arlene. It really, really is. On the other hand, he has made a lot of headway here after this interview. 
He has when he was very media trained. We could all tell that he was telling narratives about his sisters and all this stuff. And and then when he leaned forward, I mean, I could just see the media trainer say, and when you give this, you lean forward, you give it your all and you say, if there's any way these people think I hurt them, I'm called the police. And then he gave out the phone number, clearly well rehearsed, and he delivered it as best he could. And it, you know, it was effective. However, I just want to move back. These political things are not always about police reports. I know this came up in the United States with Roy Moore. This was really about a guy, you know, when I look at that, this guy was banned at the mall. It was not something you want in somebody who's going to get a high level political position. It's not always criminal. And as you know, a lot of this stuff is not is not easy to prove in a court of law anyway. Yeah, I think as we could recall from the Gian Gameshi case, that was something that obviously went to trial, charges were laid, and the defense was able to plant enough reasonable doubt uh, that he ultimately was found not guilty. Now, does that mean that he still uh, wasn't terribly inappropriate in how he approached and treated women? Uh, both those and others that did come forward where charges were ultimately not laid. And I think that's obviously not the threshold and the standard that we want our public officials leading up to on this. I think the real curious thing going forward is kind of the politics of this. You've already seen some murmurs online of nominated candidates who have come out in, in defense of, of Patrick Brown even before he went public. Uh, there is a leadership race ongoing. Uh, he claimed there was 200,000 members. The party actually revised that number and says, actually, it's closer to 130,000. Exactly. Uh, and how is that going to manifest itself and play itself out in this leadership race? And it, can he rehabilitate his image enough and convince Ontarians enough that there are doubts in these allegations as he's trying to do with his denials to actually have some kind of political comeback here. And if not, what ultimately is his end goal? You know, I'm watching the interview and you know what I was thinking, Jamie? He's back in the race. He may never, you know, it's all these reports. Oh, what if he puts his name forward? His actions, what happened on those two nights put him back in the race, and he ha is a ball and chain around every candidate. So what happens to Patrick Bound may very well influence this PC party. Another thing is you talk about the politics, and it was raised during the interview. You know, there there's lots of speculation. Was there political motive here? There's a lot for people to know. There's a lot of new information we want to know. And there's a lot of politics from both parties here, from the liberals and the PCs that people are going to want to think about or at least should think about. Absolutely. And I think one of the curious kind of divides between the two interviews is that it's clear that Global News have recorded this a few days ago. Uh, CTV News ran a story last night that had woman, the mm -hmm. woman accusers uh, say that she actually wasn't underage, she wasn't in high school, and that this event actually took place a year later. And so obviously Patrick Brown would be interested in terms of like showing those inconsistencies of the story as a way of undermining some of the allegations. But then that also from a timeline puts him in that other apartment where he apparently was on the upstairs floor. Uh, and again, there's just more questions than answers at this point of this information. So if you're advising Patrick Brown today and, and the politics of this, what ultimately is his end goal in piecing this back together? And then if you are both interim leader Vic Fideli, as well as any of the registered candidates seeking the le permanent leadership of this party, uh, how are you going to deal with this issue? How do you put it to bed? 
one way or another. And does Patrick Brown still have a political future as a PC MPP going forward? It's true because they're going to have to figure all that out. What about the staff that resigned? We want to hear from them. I think it's absolutely important right now for that party to show why they resigned, because that's what got the ball rolling here. They gave him no option. They, we all remember, we watched what happened on Twitter saying he wouldn't resign, so we're resigning. Why? And that question has to be answered. And that's going to affect his future, the new leader's future, and the PC party's future. It's really interesting. I just want to say one thing, too, before we wrap things up after that incredible turn of events. The Me Too movement is on trial here. And I kind of think I'm going to be very positive. I think it's in a very good way. All the criticism, you know, there wasn't due process. Here, there is due process. Look at what's happening. We're picking apart. We're making decisions. We're holding people accountable. And we're not just holding the politicians accountable. All of a sudden now, you know, the accusers are being held accountable for what they say. And the reporting is being held accountable. So I think it's going to have everybody on their best behavior and on their toes. And if we're going to do this kind of reporting in the media, it's got to be really, really perfect. Well said, Erlen. Jamie Ellerton, thank you. And like they say, if you need a friend in politics, buy a dog. I'm Arlene Bynum. I'm Jamie Ellerton.